Welcome to the Fire and Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Sorrow. I believe in taking massive, inspired action from an awakened soul. This show is a weekly dose of spiritual principles, personal development, and success strategies for creating an epically aligned life. Here's to your wildest dreams coming true with less hustle, grit and grind, more flow, ease, and grace. I'm the founder of the Live Video Mastery Academy, a TV host, speaker, best-selling author, and proud fur mama, and I'll be sharing real talks with successful entrepreneurs, thought leaders, best-selling authors, spiritual luminaries, and high-performance experts in this unfiltered, transformational, and soul-centered podcast. Things are about to get real. Are you ready? Let's get started. Well, hey there. Welcome back to the Fire and Soul podcast. It's fall. I love fall. It's my favorite season, don't you? And you know, while I live in Los Angeles and classically for the past maybe five, six years, we have not had a fall. We get these uh, Indian summers where it's our hottest months of the year in September, October, and even up until November. But this year, it's already starting to shift. It's been incredible. Can't wait for the cozy cashmere to come out (laughs) or my knockoffs. Hey, before we dive into this really epic conversation, this is one of the deepest, most vulnerable conversations I've ever had. It's extremely raw and real, all around conscious, sacred union. I mean, our guest today, Steph, asked some questions that I answer for you. Hi, thank me later. But I really encourage you to get a pen and a piece of paper or your journal or, you know, maybe the notes app on your iPhone and write out the answers to his questions because this will help you get clear about one thing, which is if you are single and you want a relationship, he helps you uncover why. Isn't that interesting? We all just say we want it because we think that's what we should be doing. But in reality, the way that he navigates this conversation And what he says has to be in order to experience what we say we really want is nothing short of phenomenal. So I am deeply honored to have him on the show. And what's cool is that when this gets uh, released, he will have already married his soulmate, Christine Hassler, who is a master life coach. And she was on my podcast uh, last year. And I remember in that podcast interview, she was chatting about them and how they met and the exploration of that It's pretty amazing. So without further ado, oh, wait, no, shoot. I wanted to tell you about something else before we dive into that. See, this is real, you guys, no editing. I have been talking about this for a while and for anyone who's been tuning into this show for some time now knows that I'm obsessed with live video, specifically Facebook Live. What you may not know is that I took a $200 million sales framework that I was able to develop when I was working at HSN, the Home Shopping Network, for those three years, um, several years back, that worked for every category across, you know, every type of brand you can imagine in the world. And then came back home, started working with a lot of one-on-one clients in TV shopping around the world, then went to date with destiny, woke up to my true calling in life, which is to help more people help people. And so one of the ways in which I do that is through various coaching programs. So you've probably heard me chat about my masterminds and my live video mastery courses and my maybe even mentioned my fire and soul accelerator, which is invite only. And that's an event that I, or a program that I run that's 10 months long. And it's a total mastermind and mentorship of how I built my first six figure 
blueprint. Now it's turned into a multiple six-figure business blueprint, all from Facebook Live and my conversion blueprint that I developed when I was a host at HSN that I've been using all these years and working almost exclusively with one-on-one clients. Earlier this year, it was basically uh, March, I rolled out my first live video lab and I ran that four different times to prove the concept out, make sure that, okay, yeah, it worked for all those brands and all those years and we sold over $200 million worth of product on live TV. Then I used it for myself to really launch my coaching and consulting programs on Facebook Live last year. But then I was like, okay, so I've got all this proof that it works, but I still want to roll it out to ordinary people, realtors, teachers, physicians, attorneys, entrepreneurs, online coaches, you name it. And it worked for them too. So now I've run that four different times. And now I'm going to share the secret sauce. I'm dishing all of the framework with you in a free masterclass. Yep. And I love doing this. It lights me up. So come to the free masterclass. Some of the characters that you've seen in here over the last year and a half, uh, some of my guests will be on that masterclass to also share some testimonials. It's pretty damn cool. Live testimonials. That never happens in a, in a webinar, which is really cool. So this free masterclass is for you. Yes, you will get the entire behind the scenes sales framework and you will come out with extreme value. But you'll also, I think, get a little more information on the power of live video, the leverage that it really can have for you in your sales and marketing strategies and a way to truly develop and cultivate authentic, transparent communities. Whether you are in a corporate organization or you want to build a Facebook group online, this is going to work for you. So there's tremendous value. I cannot wait to see you there. And all you have to do to RSVP for your free spot is go to fireandsoulpodcast.com and you will see in the show notes that there is a link for you to join the free masterclass. Okay? Okay. So now, my friends, without further ado, please enjoy this unbelievable conversation. And I don't say that because of what I say. It's what he says. This, I believe, will be one of your all-time faves. And if what I am saying right now is true, please share it in an Instagram story or online. I will repost it. I will shout you out. I will give you all the love and support. If I see something like that, tag me too, because I would love, love, love to hear what resonates. Because if you guys are digging this, then we want to bring more like this to you. Because these kinds of conversations that are really, I mean, really raw, and I think just so dope and deep, I want to bring more of, more of these to you. So if you're digging it, then the only way I'm going to know that is if you let me know. So by all means, my friends. (laughs) All right. I'm feeling it today. I love you. Have a great listen and I'll talk to you soon. I'm really excited and honored that you're on the show. Welcome, Steph. Uh, The honor is mine. Thank you for having me. We were just reminiscing right before I hit record about how I met you, and it was about a year ago at the Coaches Collective. I think that was the title of it that Ajit Nawaka put on, and Mm -hmm. Christine, your then-girlfriend, was a speaker, and I got to meet you in the room. You had just basically come in from Australia. Let's catch our listeners up because Christine Hassler was such a beloved download and guest on this show about a year ago also. And she was sharing the beginning journey of what it was like to meet you and then to continue that conversation in the way that you did. And then ultimately you moved here, but that's the last we heard from her. So now I would love for you to catch us up of what happened from that moment and where you are now. Obviously, (laughs) download. You're like, what? (laughs) 
<laughs> so we are <laughs> we're engaged, we're engaged, and we're we're celebrating a, a marriage very soon, actually, in, in less than less than three weeks' time in in <sighs> Greece, where we first physically actually yes. met. Yeah, so yes. we're excited about that. Yeah. I remember seeing her post on Instagram and I didn't know that that she was meeting a man, the man, but she had shared right when she came back from that trip about how special that was. And she knew, I mean, you guys both knew. And so it's wonderful to celebrate um, such a sacred union. And I do know that that is something that you teach, you share, you're so radically honest about. And I, I thought, you know, let's just dive right in. Let's talk about what it takes to have an experience, a sacred union, because there are so many people that listen to this show that are single or in relationships where they don't experience that magical polarity of the masculine feminine. And you're such a beautiful example of owning it in a way that I think you free people to share some of what they wouldn't. And she did too, by the way, back when she was on, she was the first to talk about, you know, pleasuring herself and, and all the things that so many women need to be talking about. But when you bring in that balance of the masculine, so let's just, yeah, talk about relationships. And for those looking for what you have and embody and teach, what would be some of those first steps that they can begin to own that in themselves as a single and then call in the one? For me, it begins with a, a curiosity to be, behave and do different to what we've always done. I think if that old adage as it goes, the, uh, if we always do what we've always done, we'll always get what we've always received. And so it's being able to step outside of those boundaries of what's familiar to us and really looking at some of the most, you know, pain can be a tremendous teacher. It's not the only teacher, it's a teacher. Yeah. So we can look at times in our lives, particularly in relationship, because relationships are exceptional mirrors, in-depth mirrors of the, some of the darkest aspects of ourselves or the stuff that we psychologically, psycho-emotionally, spiritually repress. Mm-hmm. And relationships can really draw that to the surface very abruptly and very painfully. And so if we can look at the patterns around that in relationship and do some self-observation and engage in some critical self-analysis and self-awareness and sit with that and meditate with that and and just be with that, allow those feelings to come up and and come up meaning let, let us really feel them and be aware of them. And if we can then notice the patterns of how we're behaving and reacting, maybe responding, doubtful, it's more reaction, it'll be fear-based. Fear we don't have to get technical. We don't have to understand the cognitive neuroscience behind it. We don't have to have all the, the emotive terminology or, the, or the, the psychobabble behind it, but just to look at the patterns mm. and just get clear and say, wow, I've noticed that every time this happens, every time a lover pulls away from me, I start to feel apprehensive. I wonder what that means. Now, do you have to figure it out on your, by yourself? You could do a Google search and say, when my lover pulls away from me, what does it mean? And you're probably going to find an answer, actually. They give you some Go down that rabbit hole, wonderful world of technology. Or you can seek some help, a shaman, a spiritual guide, a psychologist, a counsellor, energy healer, an energy worker, whatever it may be, a, a trusted advisor, a friend, a family mm-hmm. member, someone that you trust, respect and revere. But begin to explore these uncomfortable feelings. For me, that is the beginning stages of the path towards a greater conscious aware connection in relationship, which is in part what I call sacred union or conscious connection or conscious relating. Beautiful. And so... 
you mentioned critical self-awareness. And then you also said, hey, it would be great if you could reach out to someone that could facilitate helping you go deeper to understand yourself a little bit more intimately, a shaman, a spiritual uh, healer, a therapist, whomever that might be for that person. When people are being critically self-aware, what would be some highlights of how they're able to realize, oh, that's a pattern? Oh, I do that every time they do that. What would be a gateway to even just beginning to become self-aware? Because what I've noticed is a lot of people numb out or they um, stuff it away, right? And anesthetize any of those amazing opportunities to see how you're feeling and you're emoting to give you indications that something needs to be looked at, Mm. right? So if you're on the path where you've decided to be curious and you've decided to start looking at your stuff and you've decided to be critically self-aware, and when I say critically self-aware, I don't mean being critical of oneself and guilting and shaming oneself. Mm. I'm referring to being diligent and discerning with how we actually look at ourselves. In today's society, in in today's fast-paced society where it's all about the quick fix and the numbing. We just don't fucking do that enough. That's exactly. the truth. We numb ourselves to, to oblivion. And so that's part of it. So if we're, on, if we're on that path of curiosity, fantastic. And the first step for me is to get in the body. And you mentioned you, you actually provided what I would, for me would be the initial response, which is you mentioned numbing. And so what we do, and we have to ask ourselves why we numb. So what we do is we numb. So we avoid and we distract, whether it's alcoholism, whether, you know, in excess, whether it's partying, whether it's, it's mind-altering substances, whether it's television, whether it's workaholism, whether it's infidelity and distraction, whether it's womanizing or manizing or whatever the opposite, whatever it may be, anything that we're doing in excess that's giving us sensory, immediate sensory pleasure to distract us from the pattern of pain that is there to teach us something about ourselves. It doesn't go away because we numb it. It's still there. Yes. So I would say get into the body. And the question would be, well, how do we get in the body? Mm -hmm. You're getting in the body when you're numbing because you're feeling pleasure in the body. So one way to do it is stop the distractions. Notice where you are really excessive. Are you, you know, quote unquote, addicted to TV? How much are you watching? And when you, if you were to stop watching TV for a day, two, three, four days, how are you feeling? Do you feel anxious? Mm-hmm. Do you feel angry? Do you feel agitated and frustrated? Like what's going on in your body? One of the ways to get in the body to listen to the messages that our being, our nervous system, our unconscious self is telling us is silence. No one likes silence. <laughs> <laughs> no it's one true. likes stillness. Yeah, no one likes stillness and silence. So it's it's fucking scary. It's mm-hmm. you know I heard an old story once, and and God was creating the universe and the cosmos, and, <laughs> and God said, "Where can I place the secrets of the cosmos?" Mm. It's too much for the human being or the human person to take on. However, if that person was to search diligently for this secret or these secrets, and the secrets were earned he or she would have developed this level of awareness and conditioning that would bring them closer to being able to handle this powerful cosmic truth. Where can I hide this? Where it causes them to have to search and work, put effort in, right? Mm -hmm. And God sat for this with what would appear for us to be as eons. And finally, one day it came to God and God said, "Ah, I'll I'll place this in stillness and in silence and in solitude. Mm. because humanity is fearful to go there. Mm. And remember, someone might ask, well, did God create this before humans existed? Or in, in that realm, there's no time and linear time and space per se, so it's a little bit different. But the essence of the story is 
in stillness and silence, we discover so much about who we are. Now, that may not appeal to everyone. However, there is value, there is innate intrinsic value in having some form of practice that incorporates that at some level of regularity. And and would you agree that whatever we are resisting, for example, the stillness and the silence might be also a gift for us to understand why we're resisting it? Right, because if it's uncomfortable, yeah. I believe that discomfort is the currency of growth. And so, anytime I'm totally uncomfortable, I'm like, "Oh fuck, okay, just do it." Right? Because I'm resisting it so hardcore. But then there's always a gift when I get willing to be silent. And it's in that silence that we get the downloads that were never separate from us in the beginning. But that is the that's the hard part is not numbing out. I love what you said, you guys. This is such a beautiful nugget right here. When you notice it's excessive right? Because it's hard to like judge our days on a daily because we live our days and we're in it. But when we can go high level, we're like, okay, you know what? Seven nights in a row, I numbed out for three hours a night watching TV with a pint of ice cream. That might've been me recently. And it's like, why was I doing that? And it's like, well, I'm feeling overwhelmed. I've got this launch. You know, it's coming up. I'm scared. I'm worried that it's not going to work. I'm worried that we're investing a ton of money and maybe it, we won't recoup. There's all these underlying anxieties and fears and insecurities, right? That we can come up with as an entrepreneur. And I'm like, well, wait a second, you know? And so then I was like, I just did that again last night. And I was like, ah, I felt so uncomfortable. And so I went and bought a pint of organic ice cream. And I justified it that it was organic, but Steph, I'm hearing you like, okay, but that was actually many nights in a row. (laughs) So this is a wonderful clue. And it's so easy. Like just the humanity aspect of getting to know ourselves is so easy if we're willing to be uncomfortable in the silence. That's beautiful. What inspires you to be radically self-honest? Wanting to change, wanting to also experience a conscious relationship to attract my divine beloved as well. Why is that Uh, important to you? It's important for me on a lot of levels. On the ego level, it's to prove that I'm worthy and capable and that I've got the goods to brought in that level of a man who's conscious and self-aware and all that. And some of the old stuff of why I consciously and unconsciously chose my past partners no longer serves me or the, the vision that I have for us as a couple. So it's important because I do believe that there could be such a beautiful balance I do believe, actually, ever since about a year ago, hearing people like your wife, your wife almost, like Christine come on and share about how the, the power of the femininity and Alison Armstrong, some of my mentors. So for sure, I'm more in it, but I want that balance of that polarity. And um, it'd be amazing to have a companion. I don't need them, which is another reason why I think I go on and on and on being single, but I have made space. So I've done all those things, cleared the closet, you know, put up the feng shui, pairings of two pink vases. Um, I say my affirmations. I feel him. I see him in my visualizations. So I've done all the things. And so now it's just a matter of keeping my faith and staying open. And how would that serve yourself and others? Oh, my God. To do the work and to share the work so so willingly and vulnerably and honestly and authentically in the way that I do about my own life and my own behind the scenes struggles and triumphs, I think that it could be healing. I mean, what I've learned in my year and a half of really sharing myself online is the more that I share vulnerably and the things that I'm afraid of or the things that make me feel insecure or my old triggers, my old limiting beliefs that still come in. I'm like, I thought we did that. I thought we overcame that. And I'm like, ooh, it came up to get me really intense today. I love what you said earlier. Like it comes abruptly, right? That mirror, you're like, it doesn't give you notice. It just shows up and you're like, shit, there I am. And that happens as a single or in a couple. It would be beautiful to 
if there's any way that I could help any other people out there wanting to find that union or to experience the grace in which you can when you own yourself and you really cherish and respect your partner's boundaries, their way, their life, all of that. Yeah, I think it would be incredible to experience what do you, that. What do you feel that, that there when you just spoke to? What do you feel that satisfies at the depths of who you are within you? What does that satisfy within you at the depths and the core of who you are? This is amazing because I didn't think that we would go here, but I have no, no problem at all using myself as a wonderful example if this can help anyone. I think that it would meet my deep need for love and connection and contribution. It's like this trifecta of all that I want to represent in the world, not only as a leader, but as a partner and a woman who not only can love deeply, but be loved. I think that is the ultimate grace. It makes me want to cry. Okay. That is, I experience that intimacy with deep, dear friends, um, my mom, my dog, you know, and it's time for me to graduate to the intimacy where there's the most at stake, the most uncertainty, which is in the intimacy of a romantic beloved partner. Where do you feel that inspired, the, the source of that? Where do you feel the source of that and its opposite comes from? So what has got you to a place where love and connection and contribution is so prominent and powerful in your life? What did you or did you not experience for you to now be there in that space? Well, I have seen it very rarely. And so then along the way, I had um, developed some cynicism and some skepticism. And then you hear all the statistics, especially in California, about, you know, 60% of marriages end in divorce. And then all the people that I know want to talk about, well, that 40%, who's happy, who's fulfilled, who's thriving, who's still having sex after a few years of marriage and a couple kids, right? All those things that you're like, yeah, I'm better off being single. So on the one hand, we can justify it like I'm, I'm building my dreams. I'm living my life that's, you know, I design. So there's all this incredible fulfillment, but then there's this space of, wouldn't it be incredible to share this with another person and to soar? I also didn't get to see that as a child growing up, so it wasn't modeled to me. I had a dad that um, was a wonderful provider, um, but I didn't see a lot of romance. I didn't see fighting. I just saw sort of neutral, which as I got older, I made up stories that I decided mm. were true, that I never saw romance and I never saw a, a, an empowered couple, a conscious couple. Mm. They were both independently conscious on their own level and doing the best they could. It wasn't modeled to me. So then I told myself, well, that's why I haven't had it. And then I chose all the people that you mentioned earlier that are coping through life and all the ways I did as well in my own way that were the workaholics, the sexaholics, the chasing, you know, the womanizing thing, never chose a, a faithful man. Yeah. And I built up all the stories about that. Then I went to a date with Destiny event and everyone that listened to the show knows that I look at my life as before and after that event, it happened to be extremely profound for me mm. about a year and a half ago, maybe more. And, um, and I woke up to that. I'm completely responsible for every decision and every choice and every story that I made up in my mind to be true. Mm. And then I got super compassionate about why I had chosen those partners and how those were gifts. And I wouldn't choose that now. And I can, I noticed the difference, but hopefully that answered your question in a very long winded way. Yeah, I'm going to tell you why I'm, I was asking these questions. One, because I'm just genuinely curious about amazing human beings doing amazing things in the world. But I also want to demonstrate a, a process of self-reflection in about seven minutes or so. We just sure. ask a few very simple questions. Now, given you're quite self-aware and you have gone into the nooks and crannies of your or into the crevices of your own psyche and you can really come 
and respond, which is in terms of what I felt, respond with quite ease because you've given this a lot of attention and thought. Uh-huh. Someone that hasn't maybe wouldn't be as articulate or wouldn't be as clear. However, mm. asking questions, this is just an, this is an intellectual process. It's a cognitive process, but it can really open up our bodies and it can open up our emotional centers because mm. we start going into areas of our lives, our past, our present, and our possible future that can also be very inspiring. Mm. That can also be very confronting. That could also be very painful. And that's okay. It's all welcome. Mm. And so the point of it is, is when we're in that stillness and silence and we're reflecting and then we give space for the reflection to really sink into the body and feel it, we have to be able to welcome every feeling. You were inspired. You spoke a little bit about your parents where it wasn't a, a turbulent, violent upbringing. However, it was more neutral. However, it wasn't inspiring. Mm-hmm. And you that caused you to form a narrative around relationships, which later caused you probably a great deal of pain in your relationships, choosing men that weren't available in the way that you needed them to be available, that your soul needed them to be available because your human, the human cultural conditioned aspect of self only was able to see a certain type of man that you could draw in or that you were worthy of mm. and then we start talking that we, we use that word worthy well that's an interesting word mm. and then we start delving into worthiness mm-hmm. and deservedness and then that opens up a can of worms and so that's why I say have some support because that word am I worthy am I deserving what have I done to not be deserving who have I been have I done anything am I responsible for so that can be very confronting for someone to, to when they're first on that journey so these questions are great. And like I said, in, in, in five, six, seven minutes, we deconstructed so much and there's so much more to go and have support. It's really important. I love the questions that you ask because people just, I'm assuming, and maybe I was in this camp at some point in the past and maybe even still on some level unconsciously, I mean, who knows, of why do you want this relationship? What do you think it will add to your life? Those are powerful questions and you ask them way more eloquently than I just parroted back. But I think that a lot of people probably fall into the camp of, because it's what you're supposed to do or because then somehow I might be worthy, right? If I've got a partner that deems me valuable enough to be their sacred partner, well, then I've finally proven to myself in the world that I'm worthy. So it's such an interesting thing because those thoughts came up to say, to answer that way. I'm like, oh my God, wow, this is like we such surface that. level. Like, yeah. would that. Like, why, why would you feel, even though you're quite clear that being single, you still feel worthy and yes. also there's parts of us that still drive. Most of us, if not all of us, have issues around self-worth and worthiness mm, and deservedness because whenever we're breaking into or breaking through a new level of expression in the world, however that looks like, whether it's in relationship, in entrepreneurship, in creativity, in business, in family dynamics, whatever it may be, we're being asked to step into a new version. And so the ego is going to, be, is going to meet us. It's going to be reluctant to move forward outside of the familiar because the familiar is safe. It grounds us. Anything that's familiar is, is, is safe biologically, and so it's important that we remain in that. And so we'll be met with resistance. So the excuses come up. And you mentioned earlier around worthiness because if I have a, a partner that is reflecting me and we're in a conscious relationship, then I'm demonstrating to the world that I'm worthy. And so there's something to maybe peel back there and go deeper into that as well. And it's not a bad thing. However, most people don't have the level of clarity that you have to be able to express that. And so they may just begin with, oh, I I want a conscious relationship. First, they should define what that is for them. Exactly. But I want a conscious relationship because 
because? Well, because isn't an answer. So, <laughs> so then, oh, because I'd feel good. Yeah, but why would you feel good? And what do you mean by feeling good? Like, let's. And this is where people I notice when I ask because I used to be like this. I'd, I'd start asking myself questions, and so I'd start here and I'd start asking questions. Then I'd get to a point where I get uncomfortable, and I'd say, "See you later. I'm, I'm out. Mm-hmm. I'm too uncomfortable now. I can't. I don't have the answer immediately." I had a perfectionist pattern. I'm out. I can't get, give the answer straight away. I'll just go and go ride my bike or lift weights or <laughs> go with my friends or drink alcohol or watch a movie or go on and pursue some woman somewhere on some digital app or whatever it is, yep. right? So, get that um, dopamine hit. Yeah, get the dopamine hit because that's not making me feel very good right now. Example of numbing and distracting. <sighs> Until I made the decision because I hit rock bottom multiple times and I had my face and – uh, my sexual center dragged across the, the sharp, jagged edges of, of rock bottom. Oh. I made the decision to say, okay, no matter how uncomfortable it gets, I'm going to keep going in. Mm. And, and not that it took me many years to get there, though. It took me many years of trial and error. It took me many years of fucking up. It took me many years of hurting other people and hurting myself. It took me many years of ignoring what I needed. It took me very many years of suppressing my pain and my trauma and my the, the the upbringing that I experienced and how that shaped the narrative of my life and, and relationships and how I needed to relate and needed to be treated and all of that. Yeah. And so the unraveling of that was very rapid when it happened and it was very intense and very painful. It was no wonder why, you know, I, I was attracted to very intense sports and, and somewhat still am, you know, we've got CrossFit and martial arts and so, because it's, you, you're in, you're in at maximum and then you're out. Yes. <laughs> yes. But in saying that, I also like the endurance. Stuff. So <laughs> that was probably most of your relationships at that point. <laughs> to some degree, yeah, they yeah. were very volatile because that, yeah. was, that was mimicking my fam- familial dynamic. Yeah, mm. highly volatile. Now, when you, you mentioned that you hit rock bottom multiple times, which, by the way, I love because there's no just one, right? But right. the ultimate defining moment, what caused you to truly wake up? I mean, at what point was it just too much? You hit your threshold and you remember what that was. Yeah, yeah, very clearly, like it was yesterday. That's mm-hmm. how neurologically embedded it is in me. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> well, I was in a relationship a number of years ago and she discovered that I was being unfaithful in that relationship. And that for me, to see what my actions had brought out in her, mm-hmm. how she chose to respond to that and what I was responsible for and how I hurt her, that flooded me back to my youth. It brought up a lot of painful memories and also seeing her I became deeply remorseful and it was a massive turning point and a massive mirror for me Mm. and because I really looked at my behavior and I said to myself what am I doing I mean I was extremely unfaithful in terms of how I was behaving in that relationship and what I was saying and it wasn't because she was a bad person or not treating me well she was speaking her truth and I was hiding my truth in order to compensate for not speaking my truth and feeling all the pain of being in relation because of the stories I'd developed and the belief systems, the fractured belief systems I'd developed about being in relationship, which was my freedom is ta- being taken away from me. I'm not able to be me. I can't be me in the world. I can't have access to the experiences that I want, yet I want to still be, I still want to and yearn to be loved by someone and seen by someone. And so there's massive inner conflict that I wasn't addressing, mm-hmm. which was vested in a lot of childhood wounding for me, mm. massive stories, belief systems, experiences that I hadn't addressed. And so when I witnessed that and witnessed her pain, I just I couldn't continue to be that person anymore. I just couldn't. Beautiful. And thank you for sharing. And I know you share this story, but I hadn't heard it um, directly. 
Was she the first person that you had cheated on? No. Okay, that's what I recalled. I thought I had heard that you were basically like a chronic, you know, cheater, if you will. Why was that one the wake-up call? Because she found out. Ah, so the others hadn't found out. No, no, no. As if it weren't a lie. Correct, and I just continued to live those Wow, that's powerful. There's probably not a person listening to this podcast that hasn't been cheated on at one point in their life. And if they think they haven't, they probably have. Would you agree with that? Or is that truly a projection? Wow. It's hard to say definitively. I would say most of us have either cheated or have cheated been on. cheated on. And let's just define cheating for a moment. Exactly. Let's do that. It's really important. So I received a, uh, and this takes us into the realm of non-monogamous dynamics as well to some extent, and, and it also does, it doesn't need to. However, this is so much to So I received a message this morning from a friend of mine who is reaching out and said, man, I'm really struggling. I just need some guidance. I've been unfaithful to my partner. And, 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 I, and I said, okay, well, talk to me a little bit about that. And so his level of being unfaithful was exchanging sex, sexually explicit information with another woman that he was seeking attention from because he wasn't dealing with his stuff and he wasn't dealing with some of the stuff in the relationship and he considers that cheating. Now, so do I. And so I want to tell you why though, because if cheating is, is it's a subjective definition based on what your agreements are, your aware and open agreements in relationships. So let me take, take an example of a non-monogamous relationship, which comes in many, many expressions, by the way. Yes, right? yes. So many. This is a very layered, complex conversation. But let's just say two people that are in a primary relationship and they both have agreed to sleep, uh, have sex with other people outside of the relationship. They have some ground rules like you have to wear protection, you have to let me know, before you do, I'm just throwing, I'm spitballing some stuff here. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to meet the person before you do, um, and then I'm happy. Then we're, then we're all good. Okay. okay. Let's say one of those persons has sex with someone else, but doesn't tell their primary partner. That's cheating. That's right? cheating. Yeah, because it, it's not because they're, they're allowed to have sex with other people, quote unquote allowed. They've, had, they've given them each other that permission. They have set boundaries in the container, but they've gone outside the container because they've gone outside of the agreement. Mm, yes. Yeah. And so in a conventional contemporary monogamous relationship, what it usually says, unstated or unworded, is you and I are together and you can't be with anyone else outside of this relationship. Now, what most couples do is not speak about what does that look like and feel like because some couples are in a monogamous quote-unquote monogamous relationship and they actually say you know what I want you to flirt with other women I want right. you to flirt with other men however no touching right or I want you to you can be physical with other people however no sex and no emotional contact it's and true. no emotional uh, deepening now if someone emotionally deepens a relationship with someone else that's techni- without telling them being out of integrity and not telling the truth around that that's cheating. Oh, for sure. I mean, don't you know quite a few people that there's no touching? There's really not even like any flirting, but it's the emotional intimacy that they've cultivated with like a colleague or a client or an employee um, oftentimes. And that for many people is what they deem as cheating, but it wasn't an agreement that they made in the beginning of their relationship, or it becomes a symptom of something else going on in the relationship, right? But that would be cheating as well for so many, oftentimes in hindsight. If it's distracting from the relationship, if potentially, another, another another way to define it is if 
we are paying attention to something. I mean, some people would say, hey, you're cheating with booze. You're right. Work. For sure. Say, because if you're ignoring issues in the relationship that are, are coming up, that are coming to the surface of awareness to teach you something about yourself and to teach you something about the dynamic and to help each other heal and grow and you're ignoring them, maybe you're cheating the quality of the relationship. Maybe that's another way to look at it as well. Beautiful. I love that. Very interesting term, cheating. You know, it's, it's, it's not as black and white as we think. It isn't. And, and in fact, I know so many people that are in a massive spotlight that they have agreements in their relationship that some of these things can happen. And they have those contracts, you know, uh, verbal and, and, and understanding contract between the two of them. Uh, maybe it's not known to the masses, but it's their agreement and it's what works for them. And so that is sacred for them. Yeah, there's not one way that it, that it, that it should be, which is very archaic, sort of the marital institution. I love this idea and this concept. You're just brilliant. Have these conversations with your partner, monogamous or not, so that there is an understanding of what's happening on the inside and boundaries. You talk a lot about boundaries. So how soon should we be having these conversations with someone that let's say we're interested in and we're still single? Yeah. Boundaries are just honoring of self. That, that's all they are. And so exactly. to honor yourself, you've got to know yourself. To know yes. yourself, you have to be critically self-reflective, self-aware. This is yes. Self-aware, yes. right? And that's a continuous process. Growth doesn't end because you've had a breakthrough and all of a sudden, hey, I'm free and I can now, I don't need to grow anymore. Growth is something that occurs continuously as a product of being alive, of being in, in this in this body with your heart beating and your brain ticking, okay, with, with electrical neuro, electrical activity in the brain. And so we're always going to be growing if we're conscious and aware. When we're talking about boundaries and speaking our truth, how early do we do that? Great question and really one that's tough to answer because it's <laughs> both, it depends where you are in your level of maturity and mature relating. It depends where the other person is. It depends what stage of life you are. These are some of the variables. What you want from relationship. If you're just there because you want to have casual, non-emotive to some extent, emotionally detached sexual intimacy, you all you really need to do is speak to the boundaries around what that looks like for you. So, hey, I'm, I, I can't commit right now to a long-term relationship or any relationship of depth, but really happy to have sex. Um, however, my boundaries around that is if I'm having sex with you, I'm not having sex with anyone else and I would want that from you as well. Is that something you're willing to do? Yes, no, maybe. Have, then you can continue the discussion. In terms of if you're seeing, I always say, sit back, observe, ask questions, get to know the person in front of you. Do that for a period of time before you start splurging out or splurting out, this is what I want, this is what I need, this is who I am. Observe, ask questions. Now, if the other person is doing the same thing, guess what's happening? You're getting to know about each other really well in a different way that's not so confronting and invasive. I love this idea because... So many of us have been trained, especially if we're of the Alison Armstrong ilk, and I love her and I'm going to her lab event in January. So this is not a distraction from what she shares, but she teaches that if you're like on these dating apps, for example, and you're single and you really want to bring in a, a wonderful, fulfilling relationship, she says, let this person know all your deal breakers out of the gate, up front. Yeah. And, she, and her reason behind this is it's because you're sorting, right? And so it's like, you're not invested in them yet. So why get invested before you know whether or not they're going to be able to basically meet your boundaries? But I like this idea too. It's like, especially with so many apps and so many distractions and so many opportunities to swipe right, right and left all day long, especially if people are not even conscious to why they're doing all that. It's an epidemic of, 
of not being able to be present and get still and quiet enough to know what we really want, right? So then if we come into those conversations and we're not just listening and asking questions and getting to know people, we're missing a big opportunity. I love that you're saying, just ask questions, get to know them. Don't assume they're one way and don't assume that they know your way. Yeah, make it fun. So I'm going to comment yes. on the Alison Armstrong way. I don't think it's her way, but I'm just going to comment on that. Example. Okay. I completely agree with that. Okay. Caveat though. An individual will not be able to do that that is emotionally mature and attached to an outcome. True. Good because point. Because they're just going to get knocked down. <laughs> yes. Every time. <laughs> every time they're going to get knocked down, they're going to be despondent. They're going to be disappointed. They're going to start hating on, on men or women or, or whatever person they're interested in they're going to start hating on the dating and so that's a great technique I do that I've done that sorry in the past because I got to a point where my level of self-worth was here it was intrinsic it wasn't massively externally validated I'll be kidding myself if it wasn't somewhat externally validated Mm -hmm. we all are and whoever isn't that isn't somewhat externally validated to some because the spectrum it's not one of it's not oh I'm not codependent or I am You're, you're on a sort of spectrum right and so when you release codependency or you release external validation, you've hit a level of awakening and enlightenment that is pretty different. So let's not go there. That's more of a, a rare, rarer case in our society, but I think we're moving towards that as a conscious collective. Let me go back to what I was saying. I came to myself where I had a level of self-worth. I had nothing to lose, and so I was very honest. In first dates, I would be saying, yep, so this is what happened in previous relationship or relationships. I, I cheated. I did, it, like, literally, I was. I put it all out, and yeah. I just. I had a belief and a new, and I wasn't attached to. If this person can handle that, then there's an opportunity for us to explore further. If not, that's cool. So I agree with that. Mm. It is you need to be solid and integrated in self enough to be able to deal with the potential disappointment or the potential rejection because it, it can trigger rejection. If because if someone's saying, "Well, you're too intense." And that's happening over and over again. Or, hey, man, we're on the first date. What's your problem? <laughs> and that happens over and over again. That will push your rejection button if you have one. Yep. And so you've got to be careful with that fear. Then it can trickle into fear of abandonment, fear of humiliation, <laughs> fear of intimacy. Am I ever going to have intimacy? Uh, the, the opposite of the traditional fear of intimacy, which is I can't get too close. Mm-hmm. Uh, fear of not having intimacy. And so I love that approach. I love that approach. And... Every situation is different. You've got to test the waters. And if you're confident in yourself and you have self-worth and you've cleared up a lot of the old muck in your mind-body connection, you've done some somatic work, you've you've just gone through those processes, then you know what? Lay it out on your dating profile. Say what you want. No no problem. You'll you'll weed it out. You'll weed people out. And when you meet them as well. It's very true. Um, and, and I love that analogy of like the reason why so many people don't say what they really must have or can't have, can't accept is because they're afraid to lose the one. And it's like, you, the one won't be scared off by your shit. You know, it's like, it right. Yep. And so for example, I don't drink and I would prefer a partner that doesn't really drink or he's a very, very light drinker. Ideally, he doesn't even drink. It turns out I'm totally fun without it. I didn't know. Uh, but now that I've had a few years of it, I'm like, yeah. And I prefer to be with someone who also doesn't need to always be hiding behind the alcohol. There's, there's differences of how people behave around it. But so I put that out there. Like I don't really drink. So if that's your thing, and it's important to you, then we might not be a match. And I feel really good about that because I'm not looking for a hundred. I'm looking for one. Right. But in other ways in which we don't share and we conceal because we're like, Ooh, but if I just show him this part of myself that I really like, or I'm proud of, then he won't 
necessarily see that part until later. I say, let him see the part that you're most scared for him to see, right? Like what you shared, sharing your stuff around infidelity, that's a massive trigger for so many women. But you shared it, and the one person who wasn't scared off said, great, what else do you have, right? Here's something I'll say often. You have to understand, firstly, that your ugly is beautiful and that mm. you have to internally transmute your ugly to be beautiful. That's beautiful. And that's an acceptance. That's that, and that essentially is saying, hey, I'm, I'm delving <laughs> into my shadow self and I have no problem with that. And here it is. Because I'm whole and this is all of me. And if I only give you part of me, in six months, a year, two years, we're going to go like this. All our childhood shit's going to come up. And then we're going to start blaming each other and not owning our stuff. And it's just going to be another failed relationship. So why don't I just say, here's my stuff. Why don't you give me your stuff? Because you've got to be prepared to receive. That's right. Too, right? Mm-hmm. And then let's, let's work with what we've got. And let's still have fun in the interim too. Key. Let's also still have some fun instead of it being super heavy and super intense every yes. single moment while you're going through the stuff. Yes. It's like, let's make it fun, like a treasure hunt. Ooh, that's really dark. Ooh, that's not so dark. You thought that was dark? Interesting, right? But like really having fun with the process. Oh my God, that's so beautiful. And it's cool because that was the trifecta of what I was really hoping that we would cover in this call, which is embracing the darkness because you talk a lot about that. And by the way, I will make sure that all of your resources is up, not only your amazing course that you have coming up in November with Christine, um, Be the Queen, which is for men and women. Is that right? Or just women? Just, just, for, just for ladies. Awesome. Okay. So we'll make sure that we add that in the show resources, but also all of your social handles because you guys, you've got to be following stuff on social. I mean, it is better than Netflix. I mean, it's Netflix. Seriously, Netflix. Serious. And you can binge, you could just binge for hours, just diving so deeply, not only into what you share, but also all the comments and the engagement and and what it uncovers for so many people. But the darkness, you talk a lot about that, being able to handle that polarity of the light with the darkness. So in a nutshell, what do you mean by that? And why is it important to understand it in order to have a conscious relationship? It's important because for me, it's a closer connection to our wholeness. Mm. When we, we, when we traditionally come into relationship, we put the best of us forward. <laughs> And we don't put the worst of us forward mm. because we don't want to scare that person off mm. because it can be too intense, too intimidating, too painful. It can bring up stuff in them. It, it brings up stuff in us if they're, again, rejecting us or pushing us away. Yeah. And so we bring the best of us forward. We're prim and proper. We're very courteous. We're very aware. We're, we're hypersensitive to how am I behaving. We're analyzing every single movement. Once the hormonal rush wears off, and this is the benefit I had of with Christine and I, is that we had to communicate for a, a few months, like a couple of months, really just being 15,000 kilometers, 10,000, 11,000 miles away from each other. Mm-hmm. And so we didn't have that physical connection. And so we didn't have that hormonal rush per se. And so we got to know each other at deeper levels and we went very deep in that. We, we, we brought the best and the worst of us forward as best we can given the circumstances, obviously. Because it was all via like WhatsApp, right? Or yeah, like text, yeah, right? Yeah. Because more unravels when you're in each other's physical presence as well, of course, and time and so forth and exposure and you share more and more and the intimacy and all of that. So the shadow is the parts of us that we repress because we think that society does not appreciate that. And mm-hmm. it's true. Society does, so society doesn't appreciate excessive greed. Uh, society doesn't appreciate dishonesty. And so mm-hmm. if ever a time that we're dishonest, 
we, we don't want to really admit that because the ego doesn't like that, doesn't like accepting the blame for that. And we don't want to let other people know that we're dishonest because then we may be pushed out of the in-group, which means it threatens our survival biologically from a brainstem perspective and our un- unconscious self. And so we repress that. And over the years, these experiences and these events and these little things happen, the white lies and the big lies and the way of being and feeling disgust or I better not feel disgust. That's not a pleasant social function or feeling, I'll suppress that as well. And so we suppress all this stuff and we have this invisible knapsack that weighs us down and that's our shadow self. And so mm-hmm. when we don't own that, we're only bringing part of ourselves to the world and that we're fractured. And so we're disorientated in how we act. We don't have tools on, on, in our tool belt to deal with difficulty because we just keep suppressing it. Yeah, and we keep numbing it with distractions yeah. and so forth. And so when we bring that wholeness to the relationship, we're, we're saying, firstly, I value myself. Mm. I'm worthy enough. I believe in myself, and I love myself enough mm. to present you with all of who I am. I'm not perfect. Oh, that's beautiful stuff. I'm working on this stuff. I've, fi- I've, I've I don't want to say fixed. I've healed some of it. Yep. I haven't healed others. Mm. And I'm human, mm. but what I do bring is a willingness. I bring a willingness to look at my stuff and to look at my stuff with you if you're willing to do that too. And I'm not scared of your stuff. And I may be scared of it initially. And if you give me some time, we can deal with that together because I can also focus on what's really working in our relationship. And there'll be times when, of course, there isn't a match there. But if you don't bring the whole of who you are, you're living an imaginary fractured life and relationship. That was so moving. I just teared up, y'all. You can't see it, but I am so moved by what you just shared, Steph. Can you imagine, you guys, if someone came to you and said those things, like we would heal the world. That's, I believe that. I believe conscious relationships heal, heal, heal. <sighs> That's one of the reasons why, the biggest reason, and I'm not the first person to think that. I've, I've been deeply inspired by Dr. Harville Hendricks, mm. who really speaks truth to that as well. And I've taken that on as a belief system and a narrative that I really believe healthy relationship to self Mm. and to others and to our ideas and to our core self and all of that we are, the whole of who we are, has a capacity to to elevate this planet, to elevate this planet. Mm. And that's that's a love sacrament. That's a... That's why Christine and I are doing this, this course together. That's why I, I work with men. That's why I work on myself every fucking day. Yeah. Because it gives me an opportunity to see me from a, a wholer place. Mm, two more questions. When you see your shadow, you are present to the darkness. How do you give yourself grace through that moment? When it, especially if it comes up in a really inconvenient time. That's a great question. So various ways, but one of a couple of my go-tos is a process. So as human beings, we have access to the most profound tools for understanding ourselves and human consciousness, and they are breath, sound, and movement. Mm. Breath, sound, and movement in no mm. particular order. Mm-hmm. So I'm a massive advocate and practitioner and teacher of breath work, but for me, I will move the energy through me. I will be with it. I will sit with it irrespective of how uncomfortable it is. I don't always get that because sometimes it's too uncomfortable. Yeah. However, I'll always come back to it when, when the intensity of the emotion is settled and I'll move with it. So whether it's I'll go for a run, breath, sound, mm-hmm. movement, and I'll okay. make noise, whether I go hit boxing bags depending on what's coming up. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, I'll, I'll, I'll be very vocal, breath, sound, movement. Mm-hmm. I may have a sitting practice where I'm moving uh, with the viewers, mm-hmm. I'm moving my body and I'm mm-hmm. breathing and I'm sounding as I'm moving energy and I'm thinking and visualizing what's going mm-hmm. on and I'm moving that. So a lot of spinal dynamics as well and mm-hmm. moving my body and, and through, again, viewers can't see, but you can. <laughs> but, but so, <laughs> He's so basically I, gyrating in his seat, y'all. Pretty, pretty, pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> spinal and, and, hip, and hip movement and gyration. Yeah. So... There's, there's that breath, sound, and movement practice. Um, and then I can get reflective around that. Then I can write to that. Then I can express that. Then I can emote that. Then I can allow the feelings to come up. I give myself, I create space in my body to give permission to the feelings to arise. Mm-hmm. And then I'll talk about it. Whether If it's suitable to talk about it with Christine, I will. If not, I'll go to a brother. I'll mm-hmm. go to another man and I'll share that man to man. I mean, that's a, probably a conversation for other time in terms of healthy masculine, masculine dynamics. Love to have you on and talk about that. Absolutely. Well, a pleasure to, I'd love to. And so those are some of the ways without going too much with overwhelming everyone. The, the breath, sound and movement, jump into yoga, have a cold shower yeah. and, and make some sound while you're in the shower and regulate mm-hmm. your breathing and move your body in a shake. Like that can really snap you out of that intensity, but also give you context, insight and and feeling into that because it creates space in your body. You've broken, you know, Tony Robinson, you've broken the physiological stage, just NLP stuff, right? Yep. Interrupting the patterns, exactly. Psychobiology, psychodynamics, right? Animals do that in the wild. Animal, that's another, that's exactly another, it. Yeah, I have another go-to, right, which is mm. a more complex process, but I can talk about that another time. But animals in the wild, let's say a deer escapes from a, a leopard. Mm-hmm. A deer will go somewhere where it's safe, shake the fuck out of itself, stand up, get up, move on like nothing happened. Forget that's right. Nothing. We hold that shit in. <laughs> so and then we and then we're like drink it away eat it away you know and we wonder why our life is fucked right so we don't get present enough okay i love that so when you are up against your shadows or your darkness Presence. because you've gotten present to it breathe our breath sound and movement and whatever that is for you right it could be like a walk with the dog under the park but just getting your body into action changing yeah. your physiology your state yes. breathing deeply and then that self reflection will begin to diffuse it and you can look at the gifts of it right because the shadows are always coming up at least i think and i think you agree you can tell me if you do or don't yeah, that the shadows are gifts yeah. these are these beautiful yeah. gems in our life that someone just want to push away yeah, it's I like what is this here to teach me I will say something as well on, on the ability to be very present to the shadow. And this is something I'm going to digress very, very mildly, but it will make sense. Okay. okay. This is, and I can talk a lot to this as well. This is a thing with mm. plant medicines mm. is that we, we jump into plant medicines and I, I'm a massive advocate of plant medicines, by the way. Like ayahuasca, for example? As an example, sure. Okay. Um, or, or any, any mind-altering, body-altering um, sacrament or medicine or, okay. or substances if, if done with, with a very aligned intention. But the issue with plant medicines is people go into these unfamiliar states of consciousness mm. where their mind is massively altered and they haven't dealt with their pain in a familiar state of consciousness like this is now, you and I, the everyday. Mm. And so they're fucking catapulted into massive, it's too much intensity for most people. And, and they're not sure how to deal with that. And it's the same with the shadow stuff, right, mm. is don't only deal with your shadow when it comes up at intensity. <laughs> Actively mm-hmm. be with that shadow when you feel really good. Yeah. The best time to do relationship work, as an example, is not when you're fucked in the relationship, but when <laughs> everything's actually really good. Yeah. Really healthy and really moving along. So then you can say, what can I do to improve or evolve? Or what can I look? Not that you're not happy with where you're at. It's a, 
what can I do now to now that I feel really connected and safe in my partnership? Maybe now it's time to look at some of that stuff that I experienced in the abuse that I had as a child because my partner can hold me through it. Not when my partner is distant and working 15 hours a day and maybe having an affair. Now I'm going to look at my childhood stuff. Can you hold me through it? Because I, I feel really unsafe. It's really- mm, I love that. Go in to have the, the conscious conversations, the quote hard conversations that are all a gift when things are going really well and you're feeling yes. really, like you said, like it's, everything's working, you're flowing. That's beautiful. And that, by the way, really embodies the mission of fire and soul. Um, so when I asked you on, or when we talked about you coming on, it was still the mindset mashup. And many of my listeners know that at my year anniversary, I changed it because I noticed that my conversations were much deeper than just mindset. It was all around inspired action, which is the fire. So inspired action. And soul is the awakened aligned perspective of ourselves. And when we get into alignment, the action that we take feels very effortless. We do flow. So I'm going to, that was a beautiful segue to thank you for embodying all of that as we move into more conscious relationships, romantic and not, right? In the ways in which you gave us so many tangible nuggets. So thank you. My final question now that I'm, I'm asking all my guests with the new name is, how would you define what an awakened soul means to you? I'll come back to willingness. I'm going to come back to having a willingness to explore every aspect of this human, this psycho-spiritual human experience, Mm. willing to look at the the bad stuff, the the good stuff, and I'm purposely being judgmental and labelling here because that's how we function, but being willing to look at everything, willing to look at it all. That, that, that for me, that's a, that when we're able to do that, we were coming into continuously evolving and, and we're continuously living an awakened experience. That is beautiful. I love that. My mom would love you. She's going to love you. She's going to follow you. Her, her answer for all of that is always willingness. She's like, if you're not willing to even be willing, then we have no fucking shot. Oh, I love might, your mama. And she might cut. Oh, you would love my mama. So would Christine. <laughs> Thank you for coming on and sharing your deep, you, dope man. soul with us and all of my listeners. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Fire and Soul Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And of course, if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review this show on your favorite podcast player. And if you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at fireandsoulpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.